0: Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today is episode 9 of The Rare Jewel of Christian contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs, Roman numeral four. It is not so much the removing of the affliction that is upon us as the changing of the affliction that a metamorphosing of the affliction so that it is quite turned and changed into something else. I mean in regard of the use of it, though for the thing itself, the affliction remains. The way of contentment to a carnal heart is only the removing of the affliction. Oh, that it may be gone. No, says a gracious heart. God has taught me a way to be content through the affliction itself, still continues. There is a power of grace to turn this affliction into good. It takes away the sting and poison of it. Take the case of poverty A man's possessions are lost. Well, is there no way to be contented till your possessions are made up again? Till your poverty is removed? Yes, certainly. Christianity would teach contentment, though poverty continues. It will teach you how to turn your poverty to spiritual riches. You shall be poor still as to your outward possessions, but this shall be altered, whereas before it was a natural evil to you, it comes now to be turned to a spiritual benefit to you, and so you come to be content. There is a saying of Ambrose, even poverty itself is riches to holy men. Godly men make their poverty turn to riches. They get more riches out of their poverty than ever they get out of their revenues. Out of all their trading in this world, they never had such incomes as they have had out of their poverty. This, a carnal heart will think strange, that a man shall make poverty the most gainful trade that ever he had in the world. I am persuaded that many Christians have found it so that they have got more good by their poverty than ever they got by all their riches. You find it in scripture, therefore think not this strange that I am speaking of. You do not find one godly man who came out of an affliction worse than when he went into it. Though for a while he was shaken, yet at last he was better for an affliction. But a great many godly men, you find, have been worse for their prosperity. Scarcely one godly man that you read of in Scripture, but was worse for prosperity. Except Daniel and Nehemiah, I do not read of any hurt they got by their prosperity. Scarcely, I think, is there one example of a godly man who was not worse for his prosperity than better. So rather, you see, it is no strange thing to one who is gracious that they shall get good by their affliction. Luther has a similar expression in his comment on the fifth chapter of the Galatians, the 17th verse. He says, A Christian becomes a mighty worker and a wonderful creator. That is, he says, to create out of heaviness joy, out of terror joy comfort out of sin righteousness and out of death life he brings light out of darkness it was god's prerogative and great power his creating power to command the light to shine out of darkness now a christian is partaker of the divine nature so the scripture says grace is part of the divine nature And being part of the divine nature, it has an impression of God's omnipotent power. That is, to create light out of darkness, to bring good out of evil. By this way, a Christian comes to be content. God has given a Christian such power that he can turn afflictions into mercies, can turn darkness into light. If a man had the power that Christ had when the water pots were filled, he could, by a word, turn the water into wine. If you, who have nothing but water to drink, had the power to turn it into wine, then you might be contented. Certainly a Christian has received this power from God to work thus miraculously. It is the nature of grace to turn water into wine, that is, to turn the water of your affliction into the wine of heavenly consolation. If you understand this in a carnal way, I know it will be ridiculous for a minister to speak thus to you. And many carnal people are ready to make such expressions as these ridiculous, understanding them in a carnal way. This is just like Nicodemus in the third of John. What? Can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So when we say of grace that it can turn water into wine and turn poverty into riches and make poverty a gainful trade, a carnal heart says, Let them have that trade if they will. Let them have water to drink and see if they can turn it into wine. Oh, take heed, you do not speak in a scornful way of the ways of God. Grace has the power to turn afflictions into mercies. Two men may have the same affliction. To one, it shall be as gall and wormwood. Yet it shall be wine and honey and delightfulness and joy an advantage and riches to the other. This is the mystery of contentment, not so much by removing the evil as by metamorphosing the evil, by changing the evil into good. Roman numeral five: A Christian comes to this contentment not by making up the wants of his circumstances but by the performance of the work of his circumstances. This is the way of contentment. There are these circumstances that I am in with many wants. I want this and the other comfort. Well, how shall I come to be satisfied and content? A carnal heart thinks I must have my wants made up, or else it is impossible that I should be content. But a gracious heart says, what is the duty of the circumstances God has put me into? Indeed, my circumstances have changed. I was not long since in a prosperous state, but God has changed my circumstances. The Lord has called me no more Naomi, but Mara. Now, what am I? to do. What can I think now are those duties that God requires of me in the circumstances that he has now put me into? Let me exert my strength to perform the duties of my present circumstances. Others spend their thoughts on things that disturb and disquiet them, and so they grow more and more discontented. Let me spend my thoughts in thinking what my duty is. What is the duty of my present circumstances which I am in? Oh, says a man whose condition is changed and who has lost his wealth. Had I but my wealth as I had heretofore, how would I use it to his glory? God has made me see that I did not honor him with my possessions as I ought to have done. Oh, if I had it again, I would do better than I did before. But this may be but a temptation. You should rather think, What does God require of me in the circumstances I am now brought into? You should labor to bring your heart to quiet and contentment by setting your soul to work in the duties of your present condition. And the truth is, I know nothing more effective for quieting a Christian soul and getting contentment than this, setting your heart to work in the duties of the immediate circumstances that you are now in, and taking heed of your thoughts about other conditions as a mere temptation. I cannot better compare the folly of those men and women who think They will get contentment by musing about other circumstances than to the way of children. Perhaps they have climbed a hill and look a good way off and see another hill. And they think, if they were on top of that, they would be able to touch the clouds with their fingers. But when they are on the top of that hill, alas, they are as far from the clouds as they were before. So it is with many who think, if I were in such circumstances, then I should have contentment. And perhaps they get into those circumstances, and they are as far from contentment as before. But then they think that if they were in other circumstances, they would be contented. But when they have got into those circumstances, they are still as far from contentment as before. No, no. Let me consider what is the duty of my present circumstances, and content my heart with this and say, well, though I am in a low position, yet I am serving the counsels of God in those circumstances where I am. It is the counsel of God that has brought me into these circumstances that I am in, and I desire to serve the counsel of God in these circumstances." There is a remarkable scripture concerning David, of whom it is said that he served his generation. After David had served his generation according to the will of God, then he slept. It is a saying of Paul concerning him in Acts thirteen thirty-six. In your Bibles it is, after he had served his own generation according to the will of God. But the word that is translated will, means the counsel of God, and so it may be translated as well, that after David in his generation had served God's counsel, then he fell asleep. We ordinarily take the words thus, that David served his generation, that is, he did the work of his generation, that is, to serve a man's generation. But it is clearer if you read it thus, After David, in his generation, had served the counsel of God, then David fell asleep. Oh, that should be the care of a Christian to serve out God's counsels. What is the counsel of God? The circumstances that I am in, God has put me into by his own counsel, the counsel of his own will. Now I must serve God's counsel in my generation. Whatever is the counsel of God in my circumstances, I must be careful to serve that. So I shall have my heart quieted for the present and shall live and die peaceably and comfortably if I am careful to serve God's counsel. On morning, we were out of our bed. We took our bath. Mama come now. This concludes Episode 9 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs.